Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. I apologize that I, uh, running late. I, um... I thought I was having a complete technical fail on talk to and uh, then I realized that for the last four minutes, I've been entering the other group's ID. <laughs> I thought I was going crazy. I was looking at the screen. I'm like, well, I see that there are people on the call. Then why are you saying that my class isn't scheduled for right now? So then it, I figured it out. So... <laughs> Oh, so good morning, everybody. It's good to connect with you guys. Good to be in class after a week off. I'm sure we all have had plenty of forgiveness opportunities, plenty of opportunities to come together and put this work into action. So let's begin by uh, taking a little roll. And I see that Jennifer O'Brien is on the call. Hi, Jen. 206, represent. <laughs> You're up in uh, Seattle, yeah? You're home for a little bit. I am. I'm loving it, too. I bet. Is it is it uh, starting to get pretty up there, yeah? It's gorgeous. Weather's beautiful. Trees are green. It's amazing. Okay. Go have brunch at Coastal Kitchen for me and pour one out on the ground for your home. <laughs> Um, okay, Mark Gregor is also on the call. Are you calling in from Sonoma, Mark? Yep, I am here. Cool. And did you say you might leave early today because of your conference? Um, actually, I'm going to be fine, so I'll be with us the whole time. Cool. All right. Cool. And I see that uh, Brandon is also with us. Hello, Brandon. Hello. How are you? Better every day. Oh, you know what? I couldn't agree more. Uh, and L.E. Wallace is with us. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And uh, I don't know if you guys were there last Sunday for L.E.'s God Shot. You did a really great job. Really loved uh, your chair, Ellie. Great. Thank you. Back in the flow. Uh, and how about Soki Tallinn? Right here, right now, I love you all. Amen, sister. And uh, Martha Contreras? Hello, I'm here. <laughs> Hi, Martha. Hi. All right, what a great group. So I'm going to invite everybody to stretch up right where you are. Just reach your hands up and stretch all the way up. And then bring your hands down. And then roll your shoulders back three times and forward. Loosen up your shoulders and bring your chin to your chest. And to give yourself a little neck roll. We're just loosening up our upper body.
And then I'm going to invite you to sit comfortably with your spine erect. I don't, uh, I don't have any preference whether or not you're either on the floor or you're in a lotus. We're going to collectively create the intention, clear our mind, clear the mind. we're going to use the our inner resources to invite and activate a bright white light, the bright white light. From the top of our heads to our toes and beyond. Feeling our heart field and the room we're in. We feel the presence of this bright white light nourishing, nurturing, rejuvenating, restorative, purifying. Bright white light supports us in melting away any mental, energetic, emotional, physical block. Might prevent us from feeling perfectly present. We're going to take five minutes to just breathe in the light, the bright white light. And I'm going to really encourage you to do this practice. You know, sometimes on a teleclass, there's a temptation to take the meditation time to pause and close your fingers. So I'm going to invite you to move through that possibility. Just put that on the shelf and just sit with spine erect. Your eyes closed, breathing steadily, fully aware, sensing this bright white light all around. Five minutes to use our mind's eye, our imagination, to imagine a golden light in our heart center. Not expansive, but the bright white light. It's the golden light rotating clockwise, maybe the size of a grapefruit. Right in our heart. And so we just gently observe that and we allow that to be our mantra or our anchor. We bring our attention to that golden light, gently observing it. And as we gently observe our breath, we just release distracting thoughts. And if our mind gets pulled to thinking, which it probably will, that's fine. When we become conscious of that, we just remember the golden light. We come back to observe the golden light as we sense the white light around us and notice our breath. Being fully aware, fully present. I'm going to put you a buck five.
Spirit, we offer this time to you. Allow ourselves to be guided effortlessly. We are willing to hear clearly the voice of our loving physician. We trust that everything that is said for our greatest good, everything that we hear and take with us will support us in peeling off the layers of misperception and separation so that we can deepen our awareness of love and and allow all of the qualities of the divine to express freely as our life. Yes. Move to our judgment creating upset in our lives. Experience the freedom that is our birthday. We share all the benefits of this time together, healing conversation, standing in awareness. Everyone, because we are one with them, and in great gratitude, we go forward with an open heart and open mind, purpose and unity, create a celebration of this so much good. Oh, good morning, everyone. So, we are going to uh, do some reading in class. We're going to review chapter four, Tranquility, which is a short chapter. And uh, we're also going to look at the forgiveness letter format that uh, I modified slightly, but it's Pretty much uh, referencing the first forgiveness letter format that we uh, created. It's the one that we did at BC here. So we're going to really kind of go over it, look at all the elements, why everybody is so important. And then um, that's pretty much it today. We're just going to deepen the conversation or exploration and expand the conversation of. Uh, and so we talked today about accountability, about how do we apply spiritual principles and still participate in our daily lives. <laughs> so there's that saying that Edwin Gaines says, I always think it's kind of funny, don't become so spiritual that you're no earthly good. Funny little joke, but I think that this chapter kind of addresses that. So, um, who would like to begin to share? Actually, you know what, I'm going to call on this today. And uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about accountability. I mean, just from the very first sentence, it must be clearly understood that radical forgiveness does not relieve us from responsibility in this world. So, Brandon, what are your thoughts on this chapter? What have what were your takeaways, and how are you uh, using it? Hello. 
sorry, I'm trying to find an area. I feel like where I am right now, I keep getting intermittent reception. But um, I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts that came to mind with this chapter. But um, I noticed that I did uh, underline something. So I'll just read um, what I what that was. Um, well, I was really affected by the story of the man in prison who was on an active uh, quest to um, forgive himself and let everyone else go, even those who try to keep him in prison. That was pretty amazing and, um, you know, always takes me back to our thoughts and how our thoughts will keep us in prison no matter where our physical conditions are. Um, But I guess I want to read this part. However, the extent, and this is the bottom of page 70, However, the extent to which we respond to other people's actions with a sense of righteous indignation, grievance, revenge, and resentment rather than with a genuine desire to balance the scales with regard to principles of fairness, freedom, and respect for others determines our level of forgiveness. So, you know, I think we see this in politics right now, too. We, we see that we, one side feels like they need to counter the other side. And it looks like righteous indignation. It looks like anger. It looks like um, we have to stop them um, as opposed to really trying to heal both sides from um, whatever binary system we created in in and of itself. And I think it's really interesting that we're always split in two. So there's always us versus them. Um, And for any, at any given time in U.S., uh, history, roughly 50% of the population loses when it comes to elections. Um, and I think there's a way that radical forgiveness can come into that. And at least for those who are interested in practicing it and seeing that we aren't going to lose so long as um, we are pursuing the ideas of fairness and justice from a loving standpoint as opposed to a revenge or vengeful standpoint. Beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you made, Brandon. Uh, very insightful. And I actually really love the writing you're doing right now on nonviolence um, with sort of the same idea in mind of Allowing ourselves, healing ourselves, holding that vision, moving to that space, and still being able to say, you know, take a stand for but what we truly feel is most peaceful and loving. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, cool. I'm trying to do alphabetical order with people, so really. B is for Brandon. Yay, it's a Jennifer after that. So, Jen, what are your thoughts on the chapter? 
Sharon, um, just before I begin, um, I'm hearing everyone else like really clearly, Jesse, but I'm, you're sounding a little bit like I hear you really well and then, I, and then it sounds like you get far away. And So just, just a note, I'm having trouble. Um, okay, I'll just keep my uh, mouthpiece closer. I have my headset on. And I also wanted right. to say, Jennifer, thank you for your feedback on the website. Very helpful. And I am hoping oh, you're yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, so my feedback on responsibility is, you know, man, I wish everyone would take responsibility. You know, I, um, like, I'm constantly in in this state of reflection on how other people could really take more responsibility. Uh, but when it comes to this chapter and that responsibility being mine, you know, I'm somewhat reactive to that. I have this ongoing conversation about the fact that, you know, I'm always the one that has to do the right thing, but nobody else has to do it. And um, so I was a bit reactive to the chapter, just kind of thinking, you know, okay, this goes back to that Katie Byron stuff. If I'm having a reaction to other people not taking responsibility, I have to look at what that means for myself. And um, I have this other conversation about the fact that I have so much responsibility, you know. I shouldn't have to excel or be perfect in every one of those things, you know. So I'll take responsibility here, but over here, you know, I'm just going to let that go. Yeah, so, you know, I'm in a conversation about these two reoccurring themes, this chapter really kind of brought me back to them. I drew the responsibility card at the retreat, so I've been in this conversation uh, since the retreat. Um, I, like Brandon, really liked the story of the guy in jail, but, like, couldn't see myself being able to do that. And um, just kind of looking at that and saying, well, what? why not, you know? So that's kind of where I landed. How many other people on the call, great share, Jen, how many other people on the call have felt the way that Jennifer feels? That I, I laughed that. when she said that because I, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> like I was about to chime in and be like, same. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, how saint-like. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a nice right. aspiration, but... Could I actually get there? Yeah. Well, the answer is, of course you could. Um, but uh, the question is, would you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, but who else on the call, too? Like Brandon said he has. Who else felt like, why am I the one that always has to be, take responsibility, be honest, do all this stuff? Why? Be the good in others. Anyone else feel like, does anyone pressure themselves to be that person? Martha, I know you're moving through a situation with people <laughs> that there's a lot of challenge. I, 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 I feel your, uh, the work that you're moving through right now and how challenged you feel. Uh, in oh, regards have to you like, felt any pressure? Go ahead. Stop. 
not necessarily like around like other people should do it, but it feels exhausting to me, like a never-ending story. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, for me, I'm just. Can I share about the chapter? Sure, of course. Okay. Um, for me, it was that whole thing. Um, should I take them to court afterwards? Even though I don't, I know that they don't probably have the money or they're able to hide what they do earn. Um, it's like I was debating about that, like the whole spiritual. I mean, is that am I doing it out of anger? Why am I doing it? But at the same token, it's I feel that it's um, I wouldn't want them to do it to somebody else and. I think it helped because it, they also talked about the case he had against um, uh, what was it, the lady that was going to help him promote uh, his book. Um, so it was helpful in that sense that you do what you need to do and then just let it go. Um, so that was helpful, and also the story about the prisoner because it is true. It's like he made a perfect example of how. Even though he was in jail, I he felt more free than the person trying to keep him in there. Um, so it's up to me, um, like Brandon said, what keeps me, what keeps us prisoners, to either release myself from that prison or maintain myself in it. I'm I'm peaceful with it. I was kind of concerned because I was kind of numb because the anger wasn't there anymore. Um, but here comes the but, huh? <laughs> but I think I'm still emotionally trying to look at it from a place where that it happened not because I deserved, like being punished for something. Because I think I still have a little bit of that. Because if, like I said, you know, if you do something to somebody, then you could, you have the reason why it's happening. But when I, yeah, when I didn't do anything year after year and try to work with them and stuff, and the way it turned out, it was just, yeah, disappointing and it it was hurtful. And so it's just trying to work through that, reminding myself it's not, something deserving and I trying to put the whole, you know, radical forgiveness in perspective, which is true, but um it'll take a little bit of time. Um I'm gonna ask you this. But it's happening. Let me ask you this. Time. Who mm-hmm. does who does the punishing? Is it God punishing you? No, it's it's me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you think you're punishing yourself for? I mean, as a spiritual level, I'm thinking it's the whole separation from God. But, I mean, at this level, at the human level, I don't know. I yeah, can't. Let's, let's, let's work with let's work with what <laughs> let's work with something 
not quite so esoteric and like I was actually in your face because <laughs> I know that there has to be something coming up for healing because you're feeling uncomfortable and you feel very challenged. So that has to mean that something is coming up, an old belief system, an old pattern, an old habit is in your face. And with your past experiences, the way you were raised, something, you know, you were taught that we get punished for when we are bad or when something, you know, we're not in alignment. And I'm not even saying that this is like, like trying to dig up like, oh, this is karma for feeding my husband. You know, not that shit. I'm talking about in this specific experience, like where you felt you gave away your power or you were powerless or something to that extent. Okay. You know, I, you know what well, I mean? Well, I think, okay, you hit it right now that you said that. It's the whole night, um, the whole, it was, it is. It's the whole being raised that you're, it's like, you're not worthy of God's love if you re, if you step up to the plate sometimes. Because if I would have put a stop to some of the things that I um, saw beforehand, it wouldn't have gotten to this point. And I think, and I know I didn't do it because I thought that that wasn't the Christian thing to do. That I wouldn't, yeah, that that's not the spiritual thing to behave, the godly thing. So it's that mingling, like this says, between both worlds, what the spiritual and then, you know, the laws, of the land, but you know they're here for a reason also. So it is that the the feeling that I'm not supposed to step up to, into my power because then I'm not spiritual. Yeah, love is the most powerful force in the world, and it doesn't always look like people pleasing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, people pleasing can be devastating, y'all. I really listen to this, and I, I'm sharing this because this is something that's really been up in my own life. People pleasing, not saying what you feel needs to be said because you are afraid of what, uh, of how other people, or you think you know how other people will respond, or you don't want to seem like you're being a nag or something and so we give away our power we don't stand for what we feel is right because we're afraid of what other people will think of us or like martha said you know this isn't the christian thing to do well what does that even mean the christian thing to do if we look at the history of christianity uh i mean we could have a lot of ideas and thoughts of what the christian thing to do would be you know None of which are, mm-hmm. none of which are like not standing up for yourself. So it's, uh, it's I would say, um, you know, I really hit rock bottom with people pleasing last year, almost a year ago, Martha. And I had to make some tough calls and I felt really bad about it. And uh, it was really uncomfortable in the process. But when the experience had unfolded and I was sort of left with the aftermath. 
I found myself uh, I found myself wanting to judge myself for making this big mess. But then I realized, no, this is graduation. This is a time to celebrate because this was the last time that I need to do this like this ever again. And I needed something loud and in my face so that I could, it would really have my attention and I would really have to take a stand for what I am willing to be, how I'm willing to, how I'm willing to move in the world, how I'm willing to stand up for myself, because stand for love in myself and 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 for my um, self worth, and not be afraid to ask for what I want, and not take on other people's uh, take on other people's business. You know, like if you if you want to really get Byron Katie about it, whose business is it that those people were? Uh, you know, whose business was it that those people lived like slobs? Whose business was it? Theirs. Uh-huh. And whose business is it that the landlord uh, felt like that was unacceptable? Mine. That's right. And you're the landlord. And so it's your business how you want to conduct yourself as the landlord, and it's their business how they respond. If they hide, if they don't pay the rent, if they try to do, if they become squatters, whatever it is, that's their business. And your business is how do you work with that? And and what I think that we're discovering here is it takes some understanding of your worth. It takes some real self-love to be able to stand and say, no, unacceptable. This is not how you treat my home. I mean, this is how you treat my home, but this is not how my tenants, the tenants that I'm going to rent this house to, are going to treat this home. So you are no longer a good fit to be my tenant. It's their business how they want to live their life, but it's your business of who you rent your house to. And honey, you can't, you have to be able to forgive Martha in the past. And that's what I think the real conversation is here, is be willing to forgive Martha in the past for not knowing what she didn't know, for not having the skills she didn't have, for not having the insight and the self-love to be able to take a stand. We have to forgive her for not having those tools and acknowledge and celebrate the fact that she has them now. And so we don't have to have any repeat incidences like this ever again because it's not in alignment with your consciousness. You are now in a place where your consciousness could not allow bad tenants to live in your house. Just like, you know, just like there's less room for unloving thoughts in your mind. So your world has to begin to reflect your inner life, your consciousness. And so now we get to celebrate. Like, okay, great. Listen, they're out. And if you feel, and this is where we we really get to, like, become very conscious. Like, you ask yourself. You take a minute. You really reflect. Like, what's the most peaceful line 
of action I could take, like in my knowing right now, what's the most peaceful approach to handling this? And that might be taking them to court and holding them accountable. So, because that might be uh, really supporting your peace of mind, knowing that things are being taken care of and people are being held accountable, and maybe that's the way that you support yourself in really standing and um, having your voice heard. And maybe, you know, letting it go, undertaking the lesson, knowing that you never have to do it again, maybe that's the most peaceful approach. That's for you to decide. And either way, there's no right or wrong way. But it's just learning how to really become conscious of your, you know, really learn how to hear your that loving intuition, learn how to hand it over to that aspect of you that knows the best way for you to go, and then take that, go in that direction. And then forgive yourself for having made mistakes in the past. So then you don't have to bring the past with you. And that's how we go forward mindfully with our heart and minds in congruency in a state of celebration. That's how you do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Ellie, what were your thoughts on this chapter, accountability? Anything stand up for you? Any part that you uh, you like? Yeah. Um, yeah, also the court. Um, well, all of it, the court and the jail, both um, both did the both uh, scenarios. Um, I, I, for me, it's kind of like the opposite of I always not. I, I, I want to do something innate in me. Something in me just kind of knows what the right thing to do is in certain situations, like being honest and. Um, not manipulating people or trying to get something from someone because I immediately can feel that, ooh, like I feel gross about myself. Like it's, it's, I can't even, I'm, I'm almost betraying my own self. I have such a hyper awareness, almost too, of somebody else's feelings um, that um, I'm so conscious of that, conscious of uh, accountability, but to the point of like if somebody hurts me or does something wrong to me, I kind of I don't seek revenge and I don't um, I'm I'm like well you know what that's their karma you know you know that that cause and effect is on them it will take care of it naturally you know the universe will take that person will learn their lessons that in their time there's even something highlighted in here that says that hold on I highlight it. But the issue that I actually have is, you know, I see, like, these really strong people, like, around me, um, like, even in my relationship um, or friends who are just, like, if someone screws them over, they are getting revenge. They will take it upon themselves, and they will make sure that person kind of, like, reaps what they sowed, but they are the ones that are going to show them, you did this to me. Now you're going to pay for it. And then that person, like, the other person, like, really feels it, you know, really feels like, wow, you know, and then the answer apologizes. And um, through, I don't know how I'm going to explain this right. Like, I have no idea how to do that. 
and it almost makes me feel like I'm weak. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not like a, I guess strong in that area where I don't defend myself enough. But for some reason, whenever if I try to do that, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like I'm aligning with who I am inside. But is it that I'm afraid of the repercussions to take revenge or to? And not so much standing up for myself because I can't. Stand, I I do stand up for myself and I do say, hey, um, I don't appreciate this, or I'll sever the friendship, or I'll turn my back and walk away from the situation. But I don't seek revenge. I don't try to teach that person a lesson. Um. So I I don't know. I don't, I hope that makes sense. It's kind of like the opposite. Of course, it makes sense. But here's my question: What's the difference between getting revenge and holding somebody accountable? Um, good question. Well, I guess, well, take, I guess revenge in some people's minds is holding people accountable. Is, is, um, making them see and aware of, hey, this is what you did and you're gonna now pay for that. You're going to recognize it and I'm going to make sure that you do. Um, holding someone accountable from in my for me is just letting that person know what your actions did really bothered me or it hurt me or I I'm not going to put up with like this is not okay for me and um, and I don't know just walking away from the situation like just I don't just not allowing it to happen again allowing the situation to happen again or removing myself from the situation. But I don't, I guess to me that would be accountability, uh, just letting that person know. Like, um, okay, here, here's a, I found the quote that I, that I, um, about the court issue. So getting back to the issue of whether or not to seek redress through the court. Yes, we should seek to make others accountable for their actions. Remember, though, that once we decide to sue, we must, as they say in Alcohol Anonymous, pray for the SOB and for ourselves. Um, so, in other words, we turn the matter over to our higher power. We recognize that divine love operates in every situation and that each person receives exactly what he or she wants. We recognize that perfection always resides somewhere in the situation, even if it's not apparent at the time. So, so yeah. Here's a question, Ellie. When you pray for the SOB and for yourself, what are you praying for? What do you think he's inviting you to pray for? Well, because for me, I just interpret that as like the guy in prison. Um, that that per, that not if you're taking someone to court or you're, you're not only are you putting that person through it, but you're putting yourself through it as well. You both are going to be having to go through that. Yes, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. And but when you're praying for that person, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? The the highest good. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And what's the highest 
good. What is what is best for them? Even whether it whatever um, the outcome is, that's what their yeah. soul has to go yeah. through. Exactly. But it's we're, we're praying for their peace. We're praying for their happiness. Remember, God's will is our perfect happiness, and that's for everybody. So we're praying for that person's peace. Even if we're taking them to court, we pray for their peace and we pray for their happiness. And we don't know what needs, what is going to best support them in getting to that space. But we can continue to check in with ourselves and lead from a loving space, even as we hold them accountable, right? Yeah. Revenge, uh, what is the byproduct of revenge. What has to happen? Revenge is motivated by what? What is the what's the uh what's the outcome that we're kind of seeking with revenge that the other person wants? Well, I'm gonna make them what? Pay. I'm gonna make them yes. suffer. Exactly. They're gonna pay, they're gonna suffer. And so we know when we move from the ego when somebody else loses. We know we move from the ego when somebody else loses. Or if we are ever if we ever feel like we are defending ourselves or attacking somebody else. So seeking revenge, even though in uh from by from the ego's perception, it looks like a power move. You know, like, oh, wow, they're so powerful. They got revenge. They made that person pay. They made them feel so awful. Like, they, like there's some sort of um, something like respectable about that and powerful about that. But it's really just coming from fear. Mm-hmm. One, it's a belief that there's something out there to attack me. Two, that outside circumstances of people have have power over my value or what I'm worth, and if I feel as though they are trying to compromise my worth or value, I'm going to make them pay. And we also, that means that people outside of ourselves have power over our peace of mind. And so, holding somebody accountable, it's that whole idea of responsibility. You know, it's, these are the actions that you did. We're looking for, um, I'm standing in solution. And the most loving thing for myself right now is to request that you give me the money back that uh, I gave you and you didn't, you didn't do the services that I hired you to do. And it was a big investment on my end. And I feel as though I would like to invest my money in somebody or something that is going to give me uh, what they committed to give me. So I'm taking you to court to get that money back because you don't want to give it to me. And uh, for me, that feels like the most peaceful thing to me. It's loving to myself. And I'm praying for your happiness. I'm praying for your peace because I know that if you are in alignment with peace and you're in alignment with happiness, then you can only create from a loving space. And who knows? Perhaps this will support you in, you know, um, aligning with better business ethics, I don't know, but I'm moving from a really peaceful place and only the space for a peaceful resolve for everyone. Revenge is, I'm going to make that bitch suffer. She thinks she can do that to me, I'm going to show her who I am. I'll show her who she's messing with. And that all comes from fears of inadequacy, fears of unworthiness, fears of uh, not as good as, and we 
create a false sense of power through attacking our brothers and sisters. And so I invite you to contemplate and observe the people that you know who get revenge and ask yourself, is that coming from a loving place and are they coming from a loving place? And perhaps is the space that you're coming from a compassionate place? So you don't feel like, do you love yourself enough to where you don't feel like you have to tear somebody else down so you can feel powerful? There's something to contemplate uh, around this idea and this topic. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Um, the uh, Just a quick example, to give you an idea, it is, it is out of, definitely out of hurt. Um, so I have a friend who was cheated on. And um, they were in a relationship for with a woman. They were together for like ten years, and um, and she found out that the the partner said to her, you know, I, I want to end the relationship. And she had said, well, why? And she was just you know going in different directions. And really, the um, the woman was getting close to one of her business associates, and she the other partner had seen that and said. is it because of this other woman? You guys are getting really close. You're always working late at night. And she completely denied it. But basically, as soon as they broke up, she started seeing this other woman immediately. And so she had lied to her. And she felt um, so hurt about it. She just, uh, the woman was cheating on her. Um, But she ended up, you know, just ruining her reputation at work, getting a restraining order, like doing everything possible to make that person's life hell. And like trying to show her, like, you screwed me over, I'm going to screw you. Um, and as I'm saying it, it already sounds ridiculous, but um, it's just things like that, like where, you know, people... Um, so let's pause for a second because I think it's a great yeah. example for everyone. So the question is, the woman, her partner cheated on her. Did her right. partner, did her partner, I think that even that word cheated is so funny. Uh, uh, so her partner, let's say her partner fell in love with somebody else. Did her partner right. ruin her life? Her heart, no, but, but broke her heart. Well, is that true? Did her partner break her heart? Yes. Is that true? Oh, I see what you're saying. In the, in that moment, it feels like it. It there you just hit it. It felt like it. Yeah. It felt like it. I just did. I've, I've been writing a lot about releasing hostages, and a hostage is someone that we. Uh, expect to act a certain way in order to make us happy. We have to free the hostages. It it, it is so good for us to free all of our relationships on a daily basis. Free everybody from the responsibility of acting a certain way to make us feel happy. Okay, let me ask you something, Jesse. I try to really put yourself in. I hope I'm not putting that energy out there. I hope it never happens, but let's say Chris cheated on you. Like, you have this bond, this, this everything that you have shared together is out of trust and love and even, you know, your spirituality, you know, you're bonded in and your, your partner is your husband, you know, your best friend. And then you find out he's 
he's been having sex with another man behind your back and 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 an emotional everything he's just completely with somebody else behind your back and cheats on you and and falls in love with someone else and doesn't even tell you you find out on your own you find out he just happens to you know run walk run into a place and see them together and then a friend tells you and confirms it how would you applying all these principles that we're learning you know, how would you feel? Like, what would you, what would you do? You know, how do you, what do you feel in that moment? Like, how do you, you know, would you be able to take these principles and apply them in that, in that, in that situation, in that moment? Is your oh, heart? I listen, I don't yeah. know if in that moment, I, I don't yeah. know if that moment hasn't happened. Uh, I would like to think that I would, you know, <laughs> be cool and. And uh, oh. <laughs> observe what was happening, but I don't know how I would respond. But I do know that I would get to a place of acceptance and understanding, and also how do you that, understand that is what I'm trying well, to. Because, because what Chris does with because what Chris does with his penis has nothing to do with me. You know uh-huh. that 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 you know if Chris if Chris felt like he needed to. Uh, if Chris felt like he needed to pursue a relationship outside of our marriage, that's his business. How I respond to that is my business. Is that the kind of marriage I'm interested in, in participating in? I don't know. I don't think so at this moment, but it hasn't happened. So I don't really right. have the experience. But in this moment, that's not the kind of relationship I'm interested in participating in. So I would have to ask myself, well, what is the most peaceful thing for me to do? Is it to allow my husband to see someone else? Is it is this a call? Uh, is Chris, you know, um, calling for me to, uh, you know, shift my the way I'm showing up in some capacity? Is this a conversation? I would try to get really clear, but I would also understand that Chris felt as though that was helping him in some way. And if I felt like the need to punish him, if I felt the need to rage at him, I would know that that was coming from a space of insecurity, a belief that there's something wrong with me. And, uh, you know, projecting that insecurity onto him. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I don't know, I might go there. I might be punishing. I might be withholding. I might be, those are all things that I've done in the past. Those are right. all things that I've done recently. So I would try to, I would do my very best to stay in alignment with uh, my loving heart. And thank God I have a good support system of people that support me in doing that. But when I seek revenge, I, I don't see myself seeking revenge. Right. I don't, I don't see myself going out really trying to make him suffer or humiliate him or ruin his life in some capacity. Uh, because, one, I have enough experience, life experience, to follow that bounce and fall back, to know that that's all me, and to also see where that would lead. That's nothing yeah. I can do. What about the feeling of like um, when you're saying that do you really have a broken heart? Did this person really betray you? You know, like you're doing the Katie Byron thing. Like in those in that in that moment or in that during that time, you have someone that you have such trust with in this life you built, and it is a betrayal, isn't it? it wouldn't it be a betrayal because you know how. What I'm, what I'm trying to say, how to, to apply like that Byron Katie or how to apply, 
I mean, the revenge thing is not something that I, I I'm concerned with, like, on my side. Right. I just don't well, have let's, to... let's, pause, let's yeah. pause for a second. Byron Katie says we suffer when we argue with reality, when we argue with that, with what's happening. So if I say you shouldn't have done that, then I'm arguing with reality because the truth is he did do that. And I can trust that. I believe I live in a loving universe and every, my greatest good is always unfolding. So even if in the moment I have feelings come up, insecurities come up, anger come up, I know that I could get to the space because I've done this work, because I have the practice, to I know that I can peel off the layers to get clarity for myself. And even in that moment, if I'm upset, I do my best. I do my best. And my best might look like kicking him in the nuts and throwing something against the wall and going to stay at my sister's house for a week. I don't know. Um, I don't think that would be my response. But um, but uh, it's the difference between reactivity and responsibility. And we've talked a lot about responsibility, our ability to respond and that's why we do this work with strengthening the muscles so we can have a broader perspective. So we can, we have the tools to pause. We don't have to be a slave to our emotions. Because when we're a slave to our emotions, then, you know, we're victims of, our, of, our, of the world around us. And everything that triggers us, then it's attacking us. But when we take responsibility for how we feel and the thoughts of safety, then we align with true power. That's taking responsibility. And when you're, when you're fully responsible for your state of mind, you're no longer a victim. And you don't have to attack. You don't have to get revenge. You trust that everything is unfolding as it should. And you have access to that space of, again, it's clarity. It's enough clarity to hear your loving intuition guide you forward so that you can have the most peaceful resolve. And Thank you for bringing this up. I think it's actually a really wonderful conversation to have. And, um, but I, I will say this, and I, I, feel, I feel pretty confident taking this stand that seeking revenge is a completely fear-based action. It might appear to be strong to, uh, to some, but I'm just going to tell you this. Seeking revenge is weak. It's weakness because it is it is moving as a victim. This person did something to me. They have power over me, and I got to get my power back by doing something to them. So they suffer, so they feel this way. When taking full responsibility, we, this happened. Now what? This happened. Okay. What's in this? I'm, I'm interested in paying attention. So what's really going on? How do I feel? How can I support myself in getting enough clarity and peace so I can have, you know, more insight to this? And move them that space. And listen, we are a little over time, and I want to be able to give Mark and Sophie the opportunity to talk about accountability. So, uh, Mark, do you have any, um, do you feel complete, Ellie, for now? Can we move forward? Oh, definitely, yes. Cool. Thanks for sharing. That's a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, Mark, any thoughts on this uh, chapter on accountability? Um, I really, I really just love that conversation you guys had because um, I, 
it, it comes up quite a bit, uh, I find, around relationships and and when you're hurt and, you know, how, how do you really step into that? So uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that um, I've never really have ever thought about the idea of revenge um, in the context I think a lot of people think of it. Um, I don't know. I'm just someone who I, I'm never really about getting back at people. I, I'm kind of more the type that just is kind of like, if I'm done with you, I'll just be done with you and I'll move on. Like, I'll just kind of cut you out before I'll actually invest the energy to, um, to get the revenge. To me, I, I'm, I'm more interested in, in kind of moving forward than, than dealing with what's kind of in the past. Um, outside of family dynamics, um, <laughs> but certainly with other people. Um, so for me, it, it's interesting um, conversation around responsibility and accountability. Um, you know, I, I was a bit triggered um, when I first read this around the, the idea of, of suing someone because um, I've lived for a long time really believing, like, I, I don't believe in lawsuits. Um, I, I don't believe in in anything that keeps you focused on what happened in the past. Um, a number of years ago, um, many years ago when I was back in New York, I, uh, I had this incident um, at the gym where basically a locker had um, come off the wall, literally, and fell onto my head and split my head completely open. Um, I had to go to the hospital. I had to have plastic surgery. Like, it was, like, a big-to-do thing for a few months for me. Um, and I remember so many people said to me, like, oh, my God, you got a multimillion-dollar lawsuit. You need to sue the gym. You need to sue the company. Um, you're going to make tons of money. And there was just something inside of me that just said, you know, and this was, you know, I, I had already started some of my spiritual work at that point. So, I mean, it wasn't completely foreign to me. But I, I really was kind of in this place. I was doing a lot of Buddhism study at that time, I was just kind of in place of like, you know what, what's going to move me forward is what I need to heal. And I realized that a lawsuit, which literally would have been probably two years in and out of courts, was not the thing that was going to allow me to move forward. Um, and after a lot of back and forth, I decided not to sue the company, um, which all my friends thought I was crazy not to. Um, and while I certainly probably would have had a lot of money from doing that lawsuit. Um, the amazing thing is that I 100% healed. Like literally had stitches going down the center of my forehead to the point where the, even the plastic surgeons were like, they're like, you're always going to have a scar. It's never going to be gone. And it 100% healed. And I know that for me, it was because I really let go of that whole other decision I kind of made to really hold on that something was wrong and something needed to be revenged. Um, and since that day, I've always kind of been in this mindset of, like, I don't believe in lawsuits. Like, I, I'm the living example of when you let things go, the healing that you get from that is always much more valuable than whatever you thought you would get by doing that revengeful thing. Um, so when I read this, this chapter, I was kind of triggered by it because I was just like, how could someone who like has this such great perspective on forgiveness and the power of that 
also say, like, it's perfectly appropriate to do lawsuits. Um, and I had to sit with that a bit, but what I really got what, or at least I think I got what he was saying was um, that it's really not about the lawsuit as, like, it coming from us. It, that the lawsuit is just, it's, it's a process, it's a flow, it's, it's, it's something that's in the experience of that other person. And if we're in a place where we can move forward with a lawsuit very clean and not having it be about revenge, not having it be about making them wrong or bad, but simply being a conduit or a channel to allow their learning, to allow their journey, whatever that is, to be experienced without any negativity coming from us personally, then we're just simply a channel to allow that to happen for them. Um, and so the lawsuit really isn't about us at all. It, it's really about them and, and really supporting them while we also can move forward in our own way. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that. Like I can understand that and I can see where maybe there are times when it is appropriate, you know, to do the lawsuit or, or to have, you know, to step in and to hold someone accountable in a particular way. Um, with that said, I think that the caveat, the nuance, and, and <laughs> the consciousness that's needed in that is to be sure you're really clean in doing that, that you really clear out your own stuff before you do that. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's the thing for me as I move forward is like really being conscious of that, of, yeah, where can I really hold myself and others at a higher level of accountability, but what do I need to do in doing that to be sure that I'm doing it not from me and about me, but really being that channel and that conduit to allow greatest good to unfold for everybody. So how do you do it? What do you do? What'd you say? So how do you do it? How, How do you stay in alignment? What's like a simple practice or if you were going to advise somebody else um, I mean, first and foremost, how does it feel? I mean, it, it always comes back to your emotion. Like, is what you're doing, does it feel good? Does it feel loving? Does it feel empowering? Or, or does it feel, like, constricting and bad and something's wrong? You hit it on the head there. Sorry. No pun intended. Yeah. But I don't want to bring up repressed memories. Um, uh, get it? from your lawsuit. Um. Yeah, it's always, we should always be asking ourselves what, or uh, not ourselves, I think we should always be handing it over to the Holy Spirit, to our spiritual consciousness, and saying, what's the most peaceful path? What is the most peaceful path? What is it? And I'm, I'm always reminded of that story that Muriel shared about when she was moving to breast cancer, and she really really wanted to work with the disease at the level of the mind, um, open to heal in that capacity. But when she got honest with herself, she was fearful and she didn't want to leave her daughter. She didn't want to leave her husband. And so she knew that in that situation, that specific situation, what felt more peaceful to her was to do the chemo approach as she continued to do the work 
for inner work? And that's always the question we ask ourselves. What's the most peaceful path for me in this situation? Where does it feel, what does it feel more peaceful? And exactly what Mark said. Does it feel constricting or, or rageful? You know, going this, who am I, am I making somebody wrong? Does somebody have to lose? Does somebody have to lose in this situation? And don't, let's not think that someone having to pay money or be held accountable is losing. It's, it, it's not when you're coming from a loving space. So, really good, 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 good example. Good share, Mark. Beautiful work. Um, Doki, would you like to share on this before we take a little break? Sophie? Me? Yep. Would you like to would you like to share on this before we take a break? And Sophie, make sure you hold the uh, the phone up in your mouth, okay? Go ahead, Sophie. Well, uh, for me, hi, my God. I have a lot of cases of radical forgiveness and accountability. I have stood Amnesty International Philippines up to the Supreme Court level. It was a painful battle for many, many years. And I won. I got $600,000 for back wages before my lawyer died of pancreatic cancer. But I donated all the money to the foundation for the brain-injured children in the school. And uh, going through the process of forgiveness, the the chair of the board of Amnesty International Philippines, he already left the country, but I was able to work on him in London <laughs> while the case is going on. Of course, or of course, case is going on, and we have been teased and uh, for forgiveness, and that was uh, before year 2000. And my case, I was already here two years ago. The Supreme Court has decided on my favor and rewarded me some $8,000 for back wages. Looking back, all the actors in the drama, all this is really very, very painful, and I really suffered. Because uh, friends stabbed me on my back, you know, all this sort of drama. Well, I was kidnapped by the military. It was, oh, the turbulent moment in my life. That, uh, when I came back from Vienna during the World Conference on Human Rights, I and my, and my husband, the father of my children, were kidnapped by the military. And we were, oh, we were on front pages of the newspapers and everything because I was the Secretary General of the uh, Federation of Mass Media Workers in the Philippines. So all this happened in that time during the then the, the the lawsuit and everything. So I already went to America and left everything behind and up to here. I just uh, was contacted with my case was won up to the Supreme Court level. So I was really so I went to the Philippine Embassy to make the the that I'm donating whatever money that I'm getting to the Brain Injured Children Foundation. So looking back, all the it's accountability. When you do something, it's part of someone else's growth. Uh, 
I'm not saying I'm right, and I don't want to please everybody, but uh, it's just the Holy Spirit, whatever happens to this case, it's all up to you. Let your will be done. So that's it. That's my... Uh, Beautiful. Johnny. Yeah, you know, I have... I think that in the past, I definitely would probably be more aligned with Mark thinking a lawsuit is just going to keep you in what happened. It's just going to keep you in your story. But that's when I was moving a lot more from uh, myself uh, from sort of victim mentality to the thought that we have to make them pay. We have to, we have to make them pay. And now I think it would be a case-to-case. I, I, you know, I mean, I think that every situation is different. And it's important to always just check in with yourself, to be in alignment, you know, to lean into your community, your friends that do these practices and say, this is why I feel as though it's important for me to go forward or this is why I'm not doing it. This feels most peaceful to me. And really check in with yourself. Is it coming from a space of victimization or is it coming from a space of self-empowerment self-love, and can you feel the difference? What is the most peaceful path? What's the most peaceful path? Remember, an unforgiving thought is frantic. It's constant. It's exhausting. True forgiveness simply observes. So would you be able to move through a process like that and be the observer, completely unattached with the outcome, but doing the due diligence as a participant in this culture. All questions to contemplate on your five-minute break that begins now. Actually, uh, we're going to uh, actually in class at 10.15 today early. So let's come back at uh, 9.48. We'll come back at 9.55, and we're going to review the forgiveness letter that was attached to the uh, email that I sent out this morning. So make sure that you have access to that email. You can pull it up and look at it. And uh, and then that's going to be it today. We're just going to review the forgiveness letter because it's going to be a tool that we're going to be using a lot, this module, and hopefully the rest of our lives. So 9.55, I'll see you back in class. Please don't hang up. Keep your phone on me.
Okay, we are and better than ever, if I may say. You know, I want to be totally transparent and say that, uh, Ellie, when you <laughs> when you said, well, what would you do if, if Chris, you know, if you found out Chris was sleeping with somebody else? And uh-huh. my my gut response, uh, honestly, was, oh, I'd go to Hawaii. I'd take a, I'd take a vacation in Hawaii. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, what an interesting, uh, what an interesting thought. I'd go take a, I'd take a Hawaiian vacation. Why? What would you? Do? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow, well, that's cute. definitely not revenge. <laughs> no, it's uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a getting a chance is what it is. Huh. Well, that's peaceful. Yeah. Hey, you know that sounds like a really peaceful thing to me, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. Oop. Um, I'm pulling up the forgiveness letter. All right, the forgiveness letter. So this is um, this forgiveness letter. I I have a lot of my counseling clients that I work with. I have them do one of these each week. The more that we deepen in our conversation about belief systems and experiences that they had that uh, affirms those belief systems or even oftentimes like, sparks the creation of it. Uh, not the creation, but made them. Uh, there's a lot of forgiveness that is required to really free themselves from the cord of the path that is attached that, they, that really uh, strengthens those belief systems. So this forgiveness letter is such a <clears throat> clear and effective way of supporting people in releasing the past, releasing the past. And um, what I like about this specific format is it allows you to be, to get it out, you know, it lets it, lets it all out. So it's that, it's that experience, that feeling experience of acceptance, accepting where you are with it, and accepting uh, the feelings that come up with thoughts of blame and resentment and all that stuff. And in the process of the letter, you go from just letting it out, going from like, I'm angry at you, that's this, I'm angry at you, that's that, you know, I'm upset, I'm hurt, I'm afraid, to, and I accept, and going Forward. And then we just shift in the process of the letter to creating a vision, new vision, a vision of a life without that resistance and that judgment. And so it's a whole feeling process in one letter. The process takes about, if you do it thoroughly, and I always invite, and when you are sharing this with people, when sharing this with others, you're going to be doing these yourself, but I invite you to take, give yourself at least 45 minutes, I encourage you to do an hour. Take an hour and create an atmosphere in which you can really do this, do this work. Uh, really helpful. And it's, even if you, you know, it's like the Byron Katie work. Even if you're 99% healed, 
that 1% is still there. And so you can use this as an opportunity to get the 1% out. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, most of us have more than 1% for some situation or circumstances. And maybe it's with yourself. And so this forgiveness letter really is an opportunity to just, you know, clear out the cobwebs. It's like it's like uh, a high-fiber diet. You're just getting the plaque out. You're getting the uh, you're getting all of the uh, build up out of the pipe. You know, you're just letting it out. So let's review. <laughs> let's go over the forgiveness letter and look at all of the twelve questions and twelve parts of it. Each question uh, or each prompt. I think is worthy of at least a paragraph, at least a paragraph. And with anything, the more you commit to doing this work, the bigger the results are going to be, the bigger the benefits will be. So when you're doing this yourself, I invite you to be very thorough. I invite you to be courageous and authentic and transparent. And this is the opportunity, guys. This is the time in this work that we're doing that it's really time to get her done. Let's really go in there and um, really commit to letting go of the stuff that we're really not interested in carrying around anymore. That's the power of forgiveness. So great. I still do this myself. If I'm working through something, or if I feel out of whack for something I'm not sure what's there, I'll do a forgiveness letter, and it's so healing. There's been times where I, as a practice, I'll do 21 days of this practice, where I'll do a forgiveness letter every day for 21 days, and it is transformational. Transformational. So from the top, <clears throat> forgiveness letter. So we begin by creating an environment. All right? So... Allowing it to be a sacred experience, light a candle, burn incense, you know, smudge the room, do whatever needs to be done, but it's as if you're doing a meditation practice. How can you make this a sacred experience, meaning how can you invite spirit in to guide you through this process? Set tone for yourself and allow for time without interruption. Plan for 45 minutes or so. <coughs> uh, here's uh, what you write. Write it longhand and don't use this as the computer. Don't do this as the computer. So there's something there's something about pen to paper, about doing the motions and not typing it out. That just feels I don't know, it just feels healing. Just getting to like looking at it. A lot of it comes to come from your hand and seeing you craft it on the paper. There's something about it. So we're going to invite everybody to let this be handwritten. So maybe even get a forgiveness journal, a new notebook, something that's completely dedicated to the forgiveness work that we're doing. Um, it's worth it. It's worth it. All right. Next, write out your intentions clearly. Example, my intention in writing this letter is to release any resentment or regret and be free of the past release any anger or hurt so that I may move forward in peace and freedom. So if there's a situation uh, like there's a loved one who you had a big resentment for or have been angry at 
as long as you can confer. You know, perhaps my teacher in writing that to set my mother free so that I can be free. Each forgiveness letter will have a different intention, or maybe not. Maybe it will be the same. Like I, my intention is to release the past, so I can uh, have a more expansive future. So it can be present. You can write the letter to yourself or anyone else that you're holding something against. Most people benefit greatly if they start with self-forgiveness. Then write at least a paragraph on each of the following. One, I feel angry that. I feel angry that. So, we'll start from the beginning again. Brandon, why do you think it's important or helpful to write about what you're angry at? So, we're doing this work. Um, well, just basically to unblock any energy drains and to keep your mind open. My experience, I tend to shut off when I hold any resentment or anger, so I'm not able to receive. Yeah. Yeah, we call it a spiritual bypass sometimes when we think, oh, spiritual people aren't angry. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be angry. Angry is bad. So that's just not true. <laughs> so we're going to let it out. We don't keep it, like Fred said, we don't keep it, you know, pushed down. We're going to let it out. We just get it out. It's, it's spring cleaning. These things, these, these letters are spring cleaning, letting it out. I feel afraid that, number two, I feel afraid that. Jennifer, why do you think it's valuable to get clear on that, what you're afraid of? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to to recognize, you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, things like revenge are fear-based actions. So what are we afraid of, you know? And then in that knowing, you can kind of see how reactive you're being. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's good to just put out, you know, this is what I'm afraid is going to happen. I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that if I don't let this go, I'm going to get cancer. I'm afraid that every, because of this resentment, every relationship I've ever had has completely tainted, and that's why I never have lasting romantic partnerships. Yeah, and a lot of the times when you see when you see it on paper, you realize that your whatever you're afraid of is not going to happen, or like your rational mind can kind of come in and say, you know, kind of knows that whatever you're afraid of isn't real. Right. Yep. Good. I feel hurt that Ellie. Why do you think it's uh, good to? Express why you feel hurt. Um, <clears throat> awareness. <clears throat> to be aware. Awareness of how you 
and to for blame, like are you blaming someone else? Or are you taking responsibility for it? Where where's the hurt coming from? Exactly, yeah, it's really good. To, it's just taking inventory. I feel hurt that you know, I feel hurt that you didn't see me. I feel hurt that you didn't love me enough. And yeah, you know what? It might be all on us, but right now we're just putting it out on paper. Just getting it out. So we have one hundred percent clarity as we go forward in this specific process. I feel sad that Mark, why is uh why is it good to put that down? That why would you wanna tap into that? <laughs> uh well it's good to honor the fact that you may feel sad and to not suppress that and bury that and pretend like it's not there. It's uh and not making being sad wrong. Exactly. And you know what? There's also, I think there's also some healing in mourning something as well. You know, like I think that if you if you feel like you're mourning the possibility of what could have been or the fantasy of what you think might have been, uh, and you're sad that that's never going to happen or that didn't happen, I think it's okay to acknowledge that as well. There's power in mourning, you know, in mourning the possibility of what could have been that didn't happen and acknowledging disappointment and things like that. Yeah, so the first uh, the first grouping, the first uh, group of these questions, it's exactly as you all said. It's so good to give yourself permission to just be authentic, to let it out. We're not holding on to it. We're not holding it down. We're not pretending that it's not there. We're not taking the spiritual bypass. We're not being righteous about everything. We're not being, you know, uh, we're not being, uh, you know, the smartest person in the room. I know what they want me to do here. Uh, I know what the result's supposed to be. We're just letting ourselves go there. So healing. So good. Number five, I accept what happened. And number six, I accept what is now. So, Martha, I accept what happened. Why is that good to put down on paper? So what is that like saying? It's almost kind of like something you need I don't know what I'm going to say is what you want to hear, but um, when I read that, I think for me, the feeling comes up like, do I really accept what I'm writing? Because I could put I accept this, but not necessarily feel it. So it just makes me aware if I am accepting what happened and why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling about it. Yeah, great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's what we just talked about. It's accountability, too. Like, I accept this is what happened. I accept that this happened. I'm not pretending like it didn't happen. It happened. I accept it. You just let it out. So it's just that accountability factor. And then this is where we begin to shift gears a little bit and we go into creating a new possibility. So, Silky, I accept what is now. And when we talk about this, what are we really accepting here, Silky? I accept uh, the present moment. The, the past is approved. It's filled milk. I cannot do anything about it. So this is the reality now. And when 
when we're writing the forgiveness letter, what are we taking a stand in, Silky? When we're doing this work, what are we really saying to the universe and saying to ourselves? I am perfect, whole, and complete, and whatever happens to me is a part of my growth and uh, uh, God's plan. Well, you really yes. hit it on the head when you said growth. Yes, growth. You're standing in. I accept that this is me releasing the past. I accept that there's still work to be done, but I acknowledge I'm doing the work. So this is us affirming that this is part of our healing work. I accept that I accept that with all the information I have, I'm still willing to go forward. I accept that today is a new day. I accept that the past is in the past. What are you accepting about what is now? I accept that right here, right now, I have new tools. I accept that I'm willing, I'm just a little more willing to consider the possibility of forgiveness. That's what I accept what is now. The deep desire of my heart. So let's talk about the deep desire of your heart. Brandon, does the deep desire of your heart, what realm are we working at with that? If, it, if we're talking like mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, what realm is the deep desire of my heart is really about what? Spiritual? Yeah, I would say it's, it's a good mix of spiritual and emotional. How do we... Like, you know, the teaching of our heart is always about aligning our will with God. And God's will for us is perfect happiness. You know, so it's always an emotional experience. Like, my deep desire of my heart isn't that I get the job. The deep desire of my heart is that I feel successful, that I feel expansive, and I feel creative. So we really align with the spiritual and the emotional, our spiritual and emotional life. We're creating that picture. We're holding the new possibility. And then uh, we don't have to go individually. I can just sort of go through these next ones because they're pretty self-explanatory. What I'm doing to support myself now is an honest prompt. What are you doing? <laughs> um, first, I'm writing this forgiveness letter. I am uh, deepening my spiritual practice. I'm going to life support. I'm being of service. I'm doing prayer work. What are you doing to support yourself in releasing past? I am uh, support myself. I'm no longer going into revenge fantasy about my mother. I'm no longer doing that. I'm committing to, to uh, stopping myself when I do that and praying for her happiness. What I'm doing to support myself now is uh, oh wait, I already to do that. What I'm asking you myself for now is so what what request did you make yourself? Continue to do this work, not give up, to not feel overwhelmed. I I my I ask for you to just stay willing, stay willing to forget. And if it's to someone else, and remember, when you write this to someone else, we'll talk about this more next week, because this week you're going to write a letter to yourself. But next week, <clears throat> you know, you're writing this letter to the person as if they were there with you, and you had free reign to whatever it is that you wanted to say. And without any of, the, like, the social expectations of, you know, whatever we put ourselves on. So it's just free for all. This is what I need you to do. Number 10, what I'm asking for help from you, myself, the universe now is, you know, what are you, what requests do you to the universe? 
I ask that you support me in healing this in joy, allowing life to be easier. I invite the universe. I'm asking the universe to make it clear to me that everything I need is right here in front of me here and now. What I'm great. I'm grateful that. We can all we all have enough experience and gratitude to know what to do there. And my loving and powerful intention going forward is my loving and powerful. Think about those words. Loving and powerful intention going forward is do this practice whenever I feel resentful. Be willing to see the innocence of myself, everyone else. Continue this path to deepen my practice, to be of service, to inspire other people to do this. That's my power, my loving and powerful intention. And if it's specifically about you're writing a letter to someone that you gave permission to compromise your self-worth, my powerful and loving, my loving and powerful intention going forward is to always remember my worth. To know that my worth comes from God. That there is nothing and no one that can ever make me unworthy. So you each have a copy of this, and your homework this week is to write a forgiveness letter to yourself and to bring it to class with you next week. Write a forgiveness letter to yourself and bring it to class with you next week. There's no not doing your homework this week. This is where the real work begins. So I really invite you to take some time, take 45 minutes to an hour, light a candle, and do this work. And this letter, the first letter is to yourself. It could be about something specific. It could be about a collection of things. That's up to you. I trust that you'll be guided to do what feels best for you. And then we're going to share about our experiences in class. And uh, if you feel called to, if you feel feeling courageous, you can share your letter. So we'll give you the platform to do that. So don't hear this as you have to read your letter uh, in class because that's not what I'm saying, but you'll have the opportunity to, and we'll all share our experiences in doing the work. Also, uh, actually, you know what? You're not going to have any reading homework. Because we're going to read Chapter 5, The Radical Forgiveness Therapy. We're going to read that in uh, class next week. So what you do? Your homework this week is to do a forgiveness letter. I'm going to invite you to send me the copy of your forgiveness letter. Uh, do that Friday by noon. Um, I just want to review them before class. Uh, so I support you in holding uh, the standard for class. And uh, that's it. That's it. We're going to have new prayer partners for May. So I'll send out that list of your new prayer partnership for May. Uh, and make sure that you contact your prayer partner this week. And I love you all so very much. So let's take a deep breath in. Grateful to connect. Grateful to hand over the rest of this day to the Holy Spirit. Grateful to support us in this healing, revealing work of forgiveness. So grateful to have such a powerful community of might and power. We just dedicate this time, this awareness, this work to anyone who feels alone, to anyone who feels consumed with their resentment. We offer this as good medicine to set you free. We are grateful to do so. 
peace and love to go forward. And so it is. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone, have a beautiful class. Uh, beautiful day. I love you all so much. Take care. Bye. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.